You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the News and Observer political podcast. I'm Don Vaughn here with Will Doran, Colin Campbell, Danielle Battaglia. So we're exactly a month out from the North Carolina primary, which beyond the big national news of the Democratic presidential candidate primary are a lot of primaries for all our statewide offices, council of state, governor, uh, all general assembly, everything. And so we're starting to see, or are we starting to see ads and signs for people that want to win in the primary? I, not a whole I lot like is out there. I it's been pretty slow. I mean, especially considering a lot of elections are basically going to be decided in the primary. I mean, almost mm-hmm. every single one of our congressional seats is going to be decided in the primary. Um, a lot of seats in the you know general assembly, and you know you're just you're not seeing really a ton. Yeah, of I mean ads. by the scientific um, barometer that is my drive to work, um, yeah, there's really I think I saw a few Dan's Forest signs today, and that was about it. And he's making a big sign push. If you follow that guy on Twitter, man, he's got every day he's telling you which county he's put in a bunch of signs. He's talking about his whole crew. Well, uh, they rolled that out. I noticed it before they started tweeting about it, or maybe it was that day or earlier. So my commute includes the traffic snarl of Crabtree Mall, and I noticed a bunch of the Dan Forrest signs. And I also, maybe a day or a few days before that, I had seen Renee Elmer signs around Raleigh. And for months, around five points, which I also pass on my commute, is a Bernie Sanders sign in front of like a house or a business or something. But that's the only Democrat sign I've seen anywhere in Raleigh. It's Forest and then Hayes now, too. So I don't have you guys seen any Democrat signs or? Yeah, I was expecting I would see purely for the second congressional district. I mean, you've got, like Will says, that's going to decide who the Congress member is for Raleigh in these newly drawn districts. And I haven't seen Deborah Ross or any of her opponents with signs or ads or anything we were just searching around youtube looking for ads didn't see any yeah i mean i i often come up like lake wheeler road around nc state when i'm coming into work and really the only signs you see are there's like a couple handwritten signs for yang 2020 Hand, um, handwritten signs. Yeah, it's like yeah. Sharpie. He's got a weird <laughs> fan club around here because I was driving. This was like months ago, so we're well ahead of the primary. I was driving US 1 through Cary, and one of those overpasses, there were like 10 people with Andrew Yang signs just like dancing and waving them and like apparently he's got a crew and they're really wait dancing. holding the sign yeah, you know yeah. that's that's actually a pretty good idea the, uh, the tech crowd loves Yang um, so Carrie makes that sense that makes Carrie yeah yeah but like around NC State you know where you have a lot of people you know coming in from you know Fuquay and Gardner and then students just you know around you you know people whose attention you think you'd want to grab there's mm-hmm. basically nothing um, and yeah I mean like you said this is gonna determine who's our next member of Congress I mean unless some, you know, by some miracle, uh, you know, Republicans win in November. But I mean, the district was drawn to very purposefully make it yeah, a very I mean, safe. That's why holding was like, no, thank mm-hmm. you. I'm going to take a break. Right. Well, exactly. Compare that to the Raleigh City Council signs, which there are like massive piles of, of signs still up because they haven't taken them down. And <laughs> I mean, the voter, everyone should vote in their municipal elections, but voter turnout is really low. But the signage was like pretty Pretty peak signage. I mean, there were probably times where I passed like ten signs in one median, and but again, that's 
you know, easier to distribute if you're not looking statewide, you know, with that race. There were a bunch of signs that went up sometime between Friday and Sunday around Crabtree Valley, but I was trying to find a new business, so I couldn't tell you whose they were, except I think one was for a judge. I swear I saw a judge up. You do see I've seen some bumper stickers, purely for Judge Paul Newby, who's Republicans' best hope to have a Republican Chief Justice of the NC Supreme Court. I saw a Reagan Bush. <laughs> yeah. I saw a Reagan Bush bumper sticker. Um, I it was <laughs> no, it was like '84 on a car. It was. I was when I went to that state game at PNC Arena. I was like, oh, well, they've had their car a long time. Like, yeah, or they just really like nostalgia for the '80s and Reagan. Yeah, I knew someone in college who wore like this Nixon shirt, and I thought I was like, well, I wonder if that was like that from that era or not. Or I mean, people keep that stuff around. I think probably. Maybe somebody does. The History Museum does. I'm sure people like who like kept their campaign stuff from like 30, 40 years ago, maybe. Yeah, not know. a whole lot of Nixon fans these yeah. days. Like, yeah, I don't know if the t-shirt Scott. was ironic or this was in the late 90s. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I mean, how many people have a Nixon shirt, you know? But anyway, back to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to the present day. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, there's there's been a few. I mean, I, I think we've seen some some TV ads roll out from a couple of the candidates in the lieutenant governor's race, which is far and away the most crowded primary on either side, both Republican yeah, and Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, John, didn't you write that each each political party could field like an entire basketball team with yes, their candidates? Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. And thankfully, Jordan let that lead stay in. <laughs> yeah. And so, it's, yeah, for them, it's going to be a matter or of... Or at least they're starting five. You know. Who can get their profile raised enough in time for the primary? Because mm-hmm. um, I think otherwise you end up with sort of a regional thing of like, well, Andy Wells is the state senator for the Hickory area, so people there know him, so he might pull well there, but not in Raleigh. And the same goes mm-hmm. for, like, Chaz Beasley in the Democratic primary, who's big in Charlotte, not very well known anywhere else. Well, let's talk about Wells and Gephardt. They've got ads out. Yeah, so they're going to have ads out, which um, the caveat here with some of these ads is we don't necessarily know are they really running on TV that anyone's watching. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. these days, you know, campaigns will do these digital ads that will come up in the form of, like, Facebook ads or whatever. And those are cheaper than oh, yeah. getting airtime on, you know, NBC or whatever. Um, so it's, you know, but they're also harder to track, you know, how many people are actually seeing these. But both Wells and uh, Greg Gephardt, um, Wells state senator, uh, Republican, and Greg Gephardt sort of best known for being one of the top aides to House Rules Chairman David Lewis, but he's also been a lobbyist and he's a military veteran. Uh, but they've both got ads up. Uh, Wells is focusing on the issue of so-called sanctuary sheriffs, which is the um, sheriffs who are not uh, participating in uh, ICE detention uh, holds. Um, and that, of course, is something the legislature has been going after and tried unsuccessfully last year to basically say sheriffs can't make that decision. Uh, Governor vetoed that bill. It never became law, but it's definitely becoming a, a campaign issue, and that seems to be central to at least the main theme of Wells' first ad that he's put out. Mm-hmm. That's also in Holly Granger's ad, and she is running um, against Forrest in the GOP gubernatorial primary. So that's that'll probably be a bigger campaign issue and something that they appeal ad-wise, I think, to people. Um, and the Wells one, like, calls people um, illegal and saying that, you know, illegals did this and this and that. And Yeah, yeah and that it's all, you know, they want to get attention getting rhetoric in these things for the Republican faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the party has definitely decided, or at least the party consultants, that immigration is a big issue, a winning issue. I mean, like, like you said, Holly Grange's Add in that mm-hmm. uh, governor primary on the Republican side mentions immigration. Uh, a month or two ago, I was at an event that uh, 
Dan Forrest brought in the head of ICE uh, to, or actually the head of DHS, who's the head of ICE, to talk about immigration. So everyone's kind of angling for that slice of the base uh, in these GOP primaries, it seems, to, you know, the people who were really concerned about immigration. Yeah, I think that adds to that we were, um, our political team was just looking at the, if you have any military background, that is something that voters in North Carolina like, since we're like the biggest military state here. Yeah. But there's going to be interesting um, rules for that, because they always, you know, show themselves in uniform, and sometimes they're still active duty, sometimes they're retired. Um, but then, Danielle, you noticed yeah. in uh, Holly Grange's ad, there's a little disclaimer in tiny type at the bottom when it shows a picture of her in her military uniform. A second person did that, I noticed when we were going through too, saying Department of Defense and somebody else does not. Yeah, Secretary of the Army or something. Yeah, it's not an endorsement. Yeah, DOD can't. Yeah, there's definitely no endorsement going on there. Even though I'm wearing this, they're not endorsing me. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I think especially if, you know, people are military supporters or veterans themselves who, you know, are also likely voters, uh, if you point that out in an ad, if especially if it's a TV ad, then they're going to notice that and say, like, oh, hey, so-and-so, like, Grange is a veteran or Cal Cunningham is a veteran, you know, or whoever else. And, and that'll, that'll help you, I think. Or they, they think it will, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Cal Cunningham, that Democratic Senate primary. Uh, there's five candidates, and I think he's the only one so far with any TV ads. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got way more money than everybody else, so it's not yeah. terribly surprising. Um from what we've seen in the campaign finance reports. Yeah, and I haven't noticed any, maybe just none have been on my TV channels that I watch, but I haven't seen any outside groups uh, spending to to run ads uh, on people's behalf. Yeah, and I know Cal Cunningham had that group that there was the subject of some sort of campaign finance complaint that had taken some, I think, Vote for Vets or something was the name of the group, um, and they had taken some footage off of his website and used that in some sort of ad, and that was the subject of a campaign finance complaint. Well, there's the issues. I just wrote that story today where every town has an ad buy, and it's digital ad buys um, initially. Um, the every town for gun safety, which is, you know, Moms Demand is part of that, and that's a quarter of a million dollars that they're spending um, overall in North Carolina, and they spent millions of dollars in Virginia to help flip that legislature. Um, and that group is affiliated with Bloomberg, the Democratic presidential primary candidate who has, you know, lots of ad money himself. So many ads. And Bloomberg ads are ev- everywhere. You know, you, you can't, like, so they're, I think, many. on every platform. So <laughs> when you have a lot of money, that's one way to spend it because that stuff's not cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. the interesting thing is the, the ads in the presidential, it seems like it's like, You've got the office openings that get media attention from Bloomberg and I think recently Steyer, and then they're putting a lot of ad money in. Um, and then I guess Elizabeth Warren's campaign seems pretty well organized here. But the rest of them like are more focused so much on Iowa and New Hampshire. You really haven't seen a whole lot of Biden or you know Sanders content, um, mm-hmm. either in the form of signs or TV ads in this state so far. And maybe yeah. give it a couple weeks, they'll blitz us. But I think it shows that they only care about the early primary states is but I mean that's I don't know if that's you know if I was a political strategist if I would you know that's not over when the beginning states are or maybe it's just like hey what about us North Carolina we're um, not even doing a lot of campaign if somebody's like trying to compete in a primary the same thing with not a lot of signage around Raleigh um, if you're trying to come work in the state capital you know or if you're a statewide race 
um, you know, whether or not you think that matters. And name recognition is a lot of it. The political analysts that I talk to, and I'm like, well, who's going to win in this crowded field, like lieutenant governor or something else? And they'll say whoever gets their people out. And if you're from a bigger area or somebody knows your name, then that's who they're going to vote for. And I was talking to Representative Holly, who's running for lieutenant governor, and she was talking about, this is for a future story about um, African-American candidates versus white candidates and fundraising and how sometimes it's name recognition and that's who you'll donate to um, within your own um, with your own party, whether you're, you know, or donate anything at all. It's like, who do you know? And so obviously ads and signs are one way to get people to, you know, know who your what your name is. Yeah, we'll see if that works out for them. Um, I guess the other crowded primary that we're not paying as much attention to is in the western side of the state where a billion Republicans want to take Mark Meadows' seat and they all signed up at the last minute because nobody knew that Mark Meadows was not going to run again except for the one person who he did know, apparently. Um, but we were, just before we came in here, got the news of the first, as far as we know, one of the first ads in that uh, race from State Senator Jim Davis, uh, who's one of the few elected officials that has managed to... Uh, jump into that, and that one day you had to file for Meadows' seat. Let's talk about what's in that ad. (laughs) Yeah. So the ad opens. You see Senator Davis sitting at a table with, like, a black backdrop, and he's got a gun in his hand, and he's got a giant plate of cheeseburgers Mm -hmm. uh, sitting in front of him. It's got to be, like, 15 or 20 cheeseburgers. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a big stack. Yeah. I don't know if he got a McDonald's (laughs) or where, but... uh, They look like McDonald's cheeseburgers. They look really good. (laughs) Maybe Wendy's cheeseburgers. (laughs) Yeah. Someone, a cheeseburger expert, should write us in and let us know your analysis Who's of got these the cheeseburgers. Seeds, uh, buns? I think that's McDonald's, I don't know, right? Yeah. It's like it's yeah, after lunch, but it made me hungry still. And like, <laughs> so it was not an ad for cheeseburgers, but it did work to make people want to eat cheeseburgers. Yeah, so he, he loads his, his 9mm, and basically he's you know talking about his support for the Second Amendment. Um, and then he... He doesn't. I don't think he directly references the Green New Deal, but I think that's where he's going with the you know the liberal. I mean, the cheeseburgers are there because he's making the argument liberals don't basically they want to take our cheeseburgers. Yeah. Um, right. He's, liberals are trying to take our guns and they're trying to take our cheeseburgers. Which I think is sort of yeah. It said our way of life or he said like how we worship or something. Yeah. And, and I can't think of any recent like state or federal law that infringes on the. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's religion. I'm I'm pretty sure that's laid out very clearly in First Amendment. Yeah, let's talk about the cheeseburgers here because that's what was really like. We were talking this earlier. A lot of the we've seen a lot of ads this cycle and previous cycles. Republicans like to have guns in their ads and they like to shoot them in their ads. It shows he did not shoot the cheeseburgers. Yeah, (laughs) he did load the gun and showed that he knew how to load a gun. but the cheeseburgers are a new one. Did he load it? I thought he was I just... He, uh, yeah, no, yeah, he's okay. just separating it. Yeah. Took the clip out. Oh, uh, okay, that's what it was. He clearly know how much I know about guns. But, he um, removed the clip and put it back. Yeah. And back to cheeseburgers. It was unloaded, yeah. <laughs> I think he was showing, actually, in the photo that it was unloaded the way that he moved. Can we talk about the top cheeseburger first? Yeah, please? so so the, he's got this stack of cheeseburgers, and he's talking about, you know, liberals wanting to take things that are great, like cheeseburgers, which I think is... A Green New Deal thing about the issue with cows possibly being bad for the environment, uh, but anyway, he's he's taking that to cheeseburgers. But then he grabs the top one, but they must have done multiple takes because the cheeseburger it changes. Is, it changes. So it's like it was lettuce, it's a mutant, it was mighty morphin mutant cheeseburger, and, cheese, and then there was no cheese and no lettuce. It has two top buns on top and bottom. There's top buns, and then when he bites it, you don't see anything but the meat. But then lettuce slides out the side of it. You didn't notice that? I didn't see 
see the sliding lettuce. You can lettuce. see, the, you can see the lettuce on, in the back, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. slides out the back, like, on the side of his mouth, and he just barely, like, it almost slips. Oh. I mean, the thing is, like if you're, if you're yeah. in a crowded field and you want people to talk about you... You do cheeseburgers. Putting, I mean, it hit, <laughs> yeah. like... It hit, Jim Davis it, wouldn't be a topic on this podcast if we hadn't all just watched this ad. Let's be real here. I mean, a big <laughs> pile of cheeseburgers and a gun, and you're like, what is going on there? And he yeah. says it's good. Yeah, at the very end, like, as it's cutting off, like, he... He wants us to know those were good cheeseburgers, wherever they came from. I like food content in the ads. I remember, <laughs> I think it was maybe 2018 or 2016, State Senator Bob Steinberg had a video where he was, like, waving a pickle around. Yeah. It was um, like it was a cucumber, and he was talking about somebody, maybe this is a political opponent or somebody else, was a fickle pickle. Yeah. Uh, but he was waving it around, and so there was all these great screenshots of him, and I think uh, someone here had turned it into a GIF to use. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, so... Definitely pro food content in ads. Um, yeah. I like that it was cheeseburgers, not hamburgers, and this also plays the day after the Super Bowl with all the cheeseburger. Yeah, I'm sure they made that content. before the, the Super Bowl and all this discussion of like cheeseburgers and the coach, which I'm not even up on. I mean, everybody but. likes cheeseburgers. Well, I mean, not if you're a vegetarian. Yeah, obviously. but then you can like the mystery. Uh, not the mystery. Yeah, the, um, the, the Beyond you Burger. Yeah, I like cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers, and I totally want one now. It's basically, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Person. I was susceptible to that advertising. I've learned it's very difficult to be acting and eating at the same time. So I'm assuming it's the same thing for a political ad, like trying to gracefully not let the lettuce slip, and then you know be able to follow it up with good. At least Davis has good teeth though, because he's an orthodontist. So presumably he's oh. got his bite is strong. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I think there are a lot of famous like burger commercials. Like I don't know if anyone else in the room was alive, but I was a little kid when Where's the Beef commercials came out. Was that our generation? Yeah, we're very young, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, burger commercials play well. Like I mean, there's hamburger like <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> So I think the overall theme here is our advice to all campaigns, more food content, perhaps put the food on your signs if you ever decide to put up signs. Also, if he wants to come on here and talk to us how that came about. Yeah, behind the, behind the scenes of the hamburger commercial. The Another fun thing to watch with the signs, like since I was talking about the Raleigh City Council signs, and of course it's City of Oak, so there's a lot of trees and acorns and leaves on all, their, all those signs. And I haven't seen... Does anyone have, like, the state of North Carolina on their sign? I don't think I can Does think Forrest? of. I was going to say, Forrest had Forrest a might, whole yeah. lot going on on his seal, but I don't remember what it was. No, I haven't seen... Well, in his, he's got the... the his, his, his road signs are, like, they're, like, four-parters, because he's got the big one yeah. with the logo, and then he's got run as a sign, Forrest as a sign, and run, so it's his... That's run, a Forrest Gump reference, logo. which maybe, like, first-time voters, like, wouldn't even get. You're right, yeah. When did Forrest Gump come out? Yeah. In the 90s, I think? I don't yeah. know if you should be allowed we to vote know. if you haven't seen Forrest. Yeah, I mean, these people, they're going to go to the polls and they're going to think in their mind, Dan Forrest, this guy likes to run. He's a runner. As opposed to anything related or, to the movie. Or just <laughs> running for an election. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've exhausted that topic. Yeah, so. <laughs> so before we take a break before Headliner of the Week, as you all know, our new approach to Headliner of the Week, since we're more democratic than we used to be, um, is to do a Twitter poll as to who... Um, wins the headline of the week honor. And if you remember from last week's podcast, 
we had our four choices, and the winner of last week's, I think, Will's choice was uh, Richard Burr's Sock Life. We discussed the and I'm unworthy in relation to the socks. I'm wearing socks today. I should have oh, kept them off in the honor of my. Yeah. 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 wear socks yeah. <laughs> Well, as I tweeted over the weekend, uh, you know, I, my baby likes to pull the socks off, and I've told her she's trying to be Richard Burr, and I'm not sure if she took that as a compliment or not. I don't really know her <laughs> politics yet. Um, His baby has really cute library socks. Like library card socks, you're welcome yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sharing. And she still wants to pull them off, even yeah. though they're so, you know, <laughs> more like Richard Bird than the Herb Librarian mother, apparently. <laughs> anyway, so that was number one in the headliner poll, uh, followed closely by the Space, space program, program, which was Dawn's pick, as you could tell, um, followed by Soap Opera Endorsement, oh. Danielle's pick, uh, third place, and then last place, yours truly for nominating Thomas Ruffin, the now disgraced um, former uh, slave-owning... Supreme Court justice whose picture's being taken down. No one likes a racist uh, judge, which, you know, fair. <laughs> um, so we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with this week's uh, Headline of the Week segment. All right, welcome back, and now it's time for our Headliner of the Week. As we mentioned before, it is now decided by Twitter poll at Under the Dome, literally at symbol Under the Dome. If you don't follow it already, you should, because you get all our political content tweeted at you. And of course, we'll all retweet the poll also. So I'll go first, um, since I can't talk right now. My headliner of the week is, of course... Cheeseburger, no explanation mm. needed. Well, <laughs> you're up. Um, I'm going to go with Silent Sam. Uh, there's been some, you know, little TikTok in the development of exactly how the uh, the deal went down with moving Silent Sam over to the Sons of Confederate Veterans. Um, and then I also just had a, a fun little story uh, that I wrote about Representative Larry Pittman um, and. Uh, you know, his belief that uh, Abraham Lincoln was a traitor, that's a direct quote, and, uh, you know, Robert E. Lee was a good man who apparently hated slavery. Um, we, uh, we did a little fact check on that, and uh, probably not too surprising, but that doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. Um, but he, uh, he was a little critical of the way the Silent Sam deal went down. He wants it to still be on campus. Um, but it's still in the news. It came down in, what, 2018? Um, and we are still talking about Silent Sam in 2020, and what's yeah, all the, these lawsuits going around with like prominent uh, UNC donors and graduates. Yeah, there were close to, to 90 people who signed that amicus brief. I mean, former Supreme Court justices, former Congress people, uh, Republicans and Democrats, criticizing the way that this all went down. And yeah, there's still it's, plenty of other Confederate statues around town, you know. So I don't think the issue is going away, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll be discussing this one for a while for sure. All right, uh, so my headline of the week choice is it's really exciting one legislative meeting rooms. Um, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, so really if know. you've ever watched a legislative hearing, you've probably seen these two rooms. They're the big rooms with the white walls, and they've got the podium in the front where somebody can speak and be angry, and all the lawmakers are sitting around, and the important lawmakers are up in the front at these like high seats. Don't forget um, the press against the wall yeah, with the paper, the, wall. Or the handwritten signs. Yeah, and stuff. so these, you know, we spend a lot of time in these rooms. Um, I noticed last week when I was over the legislative building that all the committee meetings seemed to be held in different rooms. So I was like, well, what happened to the big ones? So I wandered over there. They've been completely gutted. You, you will not recognize them at all from the yeah, uh, photo pictures. You posted yeah, they got big keep out signs. So they're apparently getting a $2 million renovation with all new furniture and carpeting and technology. And um, apparently they were, you know, 
in bad shape. You look at you know pictures from the '90s, and the rooms almost look identical to the way they looked uh, up until a few weeks ago. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that's one of the few uh, construction projects going on in state government right now because we don't have a budget, which means there's not money for things like a new NC Science and Math campus in Morganton. Various university construction projects are either on hold or they're in danger of going on hold. But apparently, uh, Legislative Services Officer Paul Coble has moved some money around. So even though he hasn't gotten his $2 million in the budget for this project, uh, he's figured out a way to make it go ahead in any way. says it's time-sensitive because lawmakers are coming back in late April and we'll need the rooms again. So for circumventing the budget stalemate and getting fancier meeting rooms, um, legislative meeting rooms are my pick. Looking forward to seeing what those look like. And if there's seats for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's the challenge, (laughs) you know. The question is, do we get the print PCS, you know? Daniel, I'm going with the end of the impeachment because I think it's something we've all waited on. We all think we know the results of. It's been going on what three weeks now, two weeks, something like that. Way too long. Long I mean, time. Yeah. Some people probably think it should go longer with you know witnesses and whatnot, but like who knew the state of the union <laughs> would come before the end of it? So I'm gonna go. That should be this week, from what I understand right now. Yeah. Subject so to go, change. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going with the end of the impeachment, and when it's still going on next week, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So vote in our Twitter poll at Under the Dome, and we will all retweet you, and you should follow us on Twitter as well. Um, I'm Don Vaughn with Will Doran, Colin Campbell, Daniel Battaglia. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.